Hello, welcome to Strange Love of Movies. My name is Olivia Martinez and I am the host of this podcast. I am joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Oscar and Emily Martinez, and we have a question for you. What was the last movie you saw in the theaters? Yeah, we can barely remember either. But the man we are talking about today is apparently the savior of the movie theaters this summer, and that is Christopher Nolan and his newest film, Tenet, which is coming out in July. So Christopher Nolan has directed films such as Inception, Interstellar, The Dark Knight series, Dunkirk, and Memento, and he is the seventh highest grossing director of all time with over $4.7 billion. Isn't that crazy, guys? That is amazing. And can y'all guess the other six directors ahead of him? It's pretty obvious. Yeah, he's number one. George Lucas? Actually, no, which is surprising. James Cameron, Avatar? Definitely James Cameron. The Russo brothers, they did Avengers, so it makes sense. Oh, right. Peter Jackson, Michael Bay, um, David Yates. I don't know who that is, but I respect him, whatever. Anyway, so I think that's really cool that Christopher Nolan has made over $4.7 billion with his films because they are all from his brain alone. And I think David Yates was the Harry Potter series, right? Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, Okay, cool. That makes sense. Okay, that does make sense. Yeah, all those series make so much money. So we have a bunch of people, a bunch of directors who've made these crazy franchises, and then we have Christopher Nolan, who he has one franchise, The Batman. Do you guys consider it the best superhero movie of all time? I think so, yeah, because it has a story behind it. It's not just things exploding. Ooh, MCU fans are going to come for you for that. (laughs) Well, you know... Better characters. Yeah, characters are fleshed out. Well, and it's funny because the... um, you know, Christopher Nolan is the hero we need, not the hero we deserve. That's a quote from The Dark Knight. And yep. he's both because uh, he makes compelling films that really make you think. And, and they and, make money. Yeah, and that's it's a rare combination. It's a great story, great action, and it makes money. And that's that's really hard to do in, in Hollywood, I would imagine. Yes, nowadays. I think in the old days, a lot of times the, the directors who are now considered the best directors, actually made movies that people liked. But nowadays, there seems to be kind of a separation between the directors that are popular and the directors that um, are nominated for Oscars. For sure. And I think that Christopher Nolan also, it's interesting because his wife has actually produced every single one of his movies, or helped produce, so I don't even... And I think his brother co-writes all of them. Yes, so it's a very family endeavor. But I think that Yeah, Christopher Nolan's the last director who will literally go to a studio, give them his ideas, and they just give him all the money in the world that he needs because Tenet is considered the most expensive film ever made. I don't know if that's true or not um, with inflation and all that, but it could be. I don't know. Well, and it's interesting that the question at the beginning of this podcast, uh, what's the last movie you saw? I honestly can't remember, but I do remember the last trailer I saw, and it was for Tenet, and it was like, oh, yeah, Christopher Nolan. It's like... Robert Pattinson, yeah. Twilight Boy. <laughs> yeah, and it was interesting. They're in a cell. There's a holding cell. There's a police officer interviewing somebody, and he knows exactly what's about to happen or what just happened. And it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's just it's an interesting concept. You know, time travel or spatial differentials, wh- whatever it is. It's just, oh, I do remember that. That's how distinctive not only his movies are, but his trailers are as well. Yep. And I was out of the theater at the time, I think, finishing up the popcorn run. And uh, when I came back and asked everybody to kind of describe what the trailer was like, nobody really could <laughs> could explain it to me. So that kind of shows it's going to be interesting to see how how they make it work. Yeah, I think Dad literally a just complex said, complex concept. I think Dad literally just said it's Tenet. 
Mom was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> but it looks insane. It looks amazing. And so we're going to dive into a few of his films that he made before that, obviously. Dunkirk, Inception, Interstellar, and The Dark Knight. And I mean, we could do any of his films, but those are the ones we chose because they're his most recent. And we just think they're, his, they're our favorites, right? Correct? That's right. What's yeah. y'all's favorite Christopher Nolan movie? Mine, uh, yeah. Interstellar, probably. Interstellar, yeah. And I like Dunkirk a lot. I think it's hard, though, because a lot of critics do not like Interstellar like they like all of his other films. Really? Yeah, because they think it's too cheesy. But I think the cheese works just perfectly, and I think it's just the best space movie of all time. But that's my opinion. Make him stay, Murph. Ugh, I don't even want to talk about that. So let's start with discussing The Dark Knight. And obviously there are going to be some spoilers, so spoiler alert. But hopefully you've seen this movie by now. It's 12 years old. And with The Dark Knight, it has an amazing cast. Dad, would you like to talk about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Michael Caine, Morgan Freeman, Christian Bale. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're kidding me. And Heath, Le- I was going to say, and Heath Ledger. Okay. So okay. Guys, Heath Ledger and his defining role. When you, as an think, act- when you think about this movie, you think about the Joker. I'm sorry. Mom likes Christian Bale a lot and all that. <laughs> but. You think about the crazy Joker, which is Heath Ledger. He won his Best Supporting Actor after he died, sadly. And that is just what you think of in this movie. And his performance is insane. But the director side of it is also insane because somehow he made a two and a half hour movie feel like an hour. And even though it was pretty confusing, you ended up understanding everything. Every character was fleshed out. Every plot came to a close. And there were a lot of things going on, but everything just made sense. And it was pretty seamless, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And picking up the thread of, um, you know, the Joker, uh, which we talked about earlier, about characters who've won Oscars. You know, Joaquin Phoenix won for playing the Joker. Yeah. Heath Ledger won for playing the Joker. The only previous time, we mentioned this on a previous podcast, but the only previous example was, um, what was it, The God? Godfather, right? The Robert De Niro and yes. Marlon Brando and playing the same character. And so there's there's this pedigree that it has, which is kind of amazing that it's kind of a connected, you know, it's a totally different film, totally different genre or whatever, but it's kind of an interesting approach that um, it's, it's recognized in that way. Yeah, this comic book character has, somehow has Academy Award notoriety. So anyway, what do you want to talk about about The Dark Knight, Mom? Because I know you're not a huge comic book girl, but I know you've always liked this movie. Right. This is, yeah, that, well, the series has always been my favorite. And I think it is because it um, it's fun. I mean, you just go in and just kind of enjoy the action and the kind of humor and it is ridiculous. comments, the funny comments funny, that they honestly. say. And I mean, yeah, the Joker, he's a psychopath, but he's a funny psychopath. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, somebody that you want to watch. And so you can enjoy it on that level. Or, I mean, they are good characters. You really, you know, if you want to kind of sit back and really think about why the Joker does what he does or why Batman does what he does, it gives you something. I think that makes the time go by faster. Because you feel like that you're really kind of thinking about what the next scene is going to be, and it's just it's a it's a compelling film. It's a it's a good movie. Definitely is. I love the action scenes, which well, is weird because normally I'm not a big action gal. Well, and also the humor, right? When he says, uh, "You complete me." Oh yeah. <laughs> we were that, thinking that's that has to be ad lib, and yet it was Cruise. so yeah. straightforward, and it's pretty pretty funny. Yeah. Definitely. And it's maybe in some ways, even though it was made, what would you say, 10 years, 12 years 2008, ago? 2008, I think. Um, it's 
in a way, it's almost timely because it has to do with the city falling apart and the corruption that's going on and how that's leading to all these, um, nobody can trust anybody. Every group is against each other and kind of speaks to the times that we're living through right now. It's kind of scary. And what was your observation about Gotham? You said you were going to tell us about that. Well, I've always, I mean, I've basically been watching some form of Batman since I was maybe four or five years old (laughs) when I'd watched the old reruns on TV of the original Batman TV series. But, and I always assumed that Gotham was New York City. I think everybody kind of does. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yet, I noticed in, last night when we were watching the movie that this has a LaSalle Street in it, and it also has some scenes that are obviously really familiar shots of Chicago. And there's Chi-town. like town Yeah, there's like a pizza. Chicago's pizza, right? Chicago's pizza. Maybe Kanye paid them to go in Chicago. And, <laughs> and the three bridges that are so iconic for Chicago, right, where they have the bridges over the river. Right, right. Yeah. And so I may be like just slow on the uptake. Maybe it's a really well-known <laughs> fact that this series is supposed to be set in Chicago, and I, I did not research that, but... It's obviously, I think, trying to kind of take it out of New York and put it in a new setting, and that may have been deliberate. I think that's interesting. And now, do y'all know what the last Batman movie was made before Christopher Nolan decided to make Batman Begins, which is the movie before Dark Knight? Yes. Michael Keaton? No, it was Batman versus Robin, the George Clooney film. Oh, check, please. Was that George Clooney or was that Ben Affleck? No, that was Ben Affleck is Batman now, I think. Yeah, or Batman and Robin or something. No, it was Batman and Robin. That was George Clooney. Okay. And George Clooney has publicly apologized multiple times for this. (laughs) And he also, the creator of Batman, that was the last Batman movie he saw. Oh, before he died? Yeah, yeah, before he died. He didn't get to see Dark Knight or any of these amazing did he, movies. Did he die in a theater when he saw probably, the Clooney version? Probably. But yeah, that's considered one of the worst movies of all time. So they needed to scramble and get something going. So DC decided to hire Christopher Nolan, who had just made Memento. His second film was a huge comic book movie. Isn't that weird? Crazy to imagine. That is strange. Well, and it's also interesting how his, uh, I commented throughout his voice... And I was, yeah, I was shouted down like, well, he's got to disguise his voice, you know? And I'm like, well, okay. But that gave off, that gave an entirely new career to that guy. What's his name? The actor who plays Job, the guy in Arrested Development. Oh, 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 yeah. But in in the Lego movie, doesn't doesn't he play Batman? Yes, Will Will Arnett. Yeah, Will Arnett. It's exactly exactly the same voice, voice, isn't it? He does that voice, which is amazing. So he's created this other career for this other actor, which is is pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. But one thing about the movie, and then we can lead into maybe Inception, okay, is I kept looking at Liv and and Emily and saying, doesn't Christopher Nolan own a watch? Time works sequentially, you know, one minute after the next, and yet he's telling stories simultaneously, consistently, and that's the word I kept coming back to. If you had to sum them up in one word, it's simultaneous. There's so many stories. There's so much action going on. It's really amazing, and I think that's the one theme throughout his films i don't know but the whole time thing he must have some issues with time or something i don't know maybe as a kid he was haunted by it or something because how he uses time in every single film is a weird it's a weird theme and it just it works well for him but anyone else would be that's a good point he really plays with time yeah i mean i mean he really kind of challenges people to try to figure out what's going on and and why it makes a difference when it's happening. Definitely. Now his next movie also plays with times and plays with dreams and that is Inception. 
And now this movie took him 10 years to write, which is understandable because it's taken me 10 years to understand it. I do not, for the life of me, I don't think we'll ever fully understand Inception. Do you think? I don't know. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Unless whoever, yeah, unless Christopher Nolan or his brother or somebody who wrote it really kind of explains what they had in mind. But I think they deliberately left it ambiguous. And so it's up to everybody's. Definitely. Yeah, no spoiler alerts here. If you understand the ending, please let us know what it means because each time we've seen it, it's something different. You know, it's like, oh, yes, he's in a dream. No, wait a minute, it's real life. No, it's real life and it's a dream. Yeah. (laughs) And Leo is the, Leonardo DiCaprio is the star of this film. And he said multiple times that they had, the whole cast and crew had no idea what was going on in this movie, but they just kind of went with it. Now, something I wanted to talk about is Christopher Nolan's dissatisfaction or whatever with CGI. And yes, he has to use it at some points, obviously, when Batman is flying or stuff like that. But even in Inception, you know the iconic part where the walls are spinning and Leo is chasing? Who's that? Is it Joseph Gordon-Levitt or who's in the... I think so, yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. He's chasing him in the hallway or whatever. That is real. They constructed a giant four-wall thing and it's spinning. It was like everything is real in that movie. There's no CGI, which is insane. And that's also what makes this movie so expensive. Yeah, the effect, the special effects in that movie were amazing. The buildings coming out of out of thin air. And, yeah, and I mean, and obviously that is CGI, but you know what I mean? Like, he just... Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Let me get this straight. He didn't invent a universe and spend billions of dollars to create this alternate reality. Listen, the man builds as much as he can, and he still shoots on 35 millimeter, and that means he shoots on film instead of digital. And he says it's cheaper. I was like, buddy, I don't, I don't know about that, but you know what? I respect it. Well, Inception reminds me. I mean, do y'all think? I mean, to think you go to the movies to escape from the real world, yes. but his movies, you kind of have to think about them. Definitely. Do you think that affects how people see them, or what do you think? I mean, when it's, you go into a movie, it's still entertaining, right? Definitely. It's so weird because why do people see his movies? They're so confusing. And but I, th- I think it shows that people actually enjoy thinking. They do. I mean, they don't have to... I don't think his movies are pretentious at all. No. They're not supposed to be above anybody. They're supposed to kind of welcome anybody to think about what's going on and figure it out. And that makes me happy that people are wanting to see his yes. films. I don't... I, I do not understand why people want to see them, but they're great and it's exciting. So we're talking about the theme of Inception and um, it seems to be the relationship you have with the reality and every experience you have adds to it, like layers. Like Def- think, the think, layers, that's good. Yeah, the layers and the 3D dimensional, why does a building look the way it does when it looks this way in your dreams or what have you, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. And <laughs> I watched it when I had my pneumonia and it was very confusing time. I was very hot and I was confused, but I love it. I love it every and there's, time. And there's definitely an undercurrent of melancholy. Definitely. But I, and I think that comes from the, the character, you're wondering what obviously you're wondering what's real and what's imagined but it it kind of makes you think also about what it it makes you kind of try to figure out how important is it to know the difference between what's real and imagined if if you're in such a state of sadness you know if something happens to you and this kind of goes to bigger issues that are like nowadays science is kind of confronting issues with PTSD and everything and how to treat Eternal it. Eternal sunshine vibes. Right. We'll and talk about that in a future, yeah. I guess. 
But also, Christopher Nolan said he's always wanted to make a movie about dreams. There's a reason it took 10 years, and it's because he finally realized that the movie needs to be more about human relationships and the human condition instead of just dreams because he didn't know how to structure that well. So I think that's why it is so gut-wrenching at some points because, it yeah, we're watching humans, and even though it's very chaotic, it yeah, it's just a bunch of human beings. Well, on the last point on, on Inception, uh, one of the things is, as I recall, the main plot line, they're trying to plant a thought in the subconscious of somebody else. So wild. But think about it. Every day, people are planting thoughts in your subconscious, oh, whether sure. they mean it or yes. not. So it's kind of, it's what's real and what's, what's not real, you know, so it's kind of an interesting take on it's on, a good on point like kind yeah. of an expand it might is it just an expanded version of um what we live through every day yeah and is it marianne cotillard or what's the french woman's name marianne cotillard yeah, yeah she's in it and yes. i remember thinking she was so pretty the first time i saw it i think we saw it in theaters i was we did we did yeah i was extremely young so <laughs> i didn't really understand anything i just remember the ending and thinking what is happening it got and it was one of those films kind of like Tenet really where there was a lot of talk before it came out and a lot of and it um, lived up to it were yeah really excited about it and sure enough I think it lived up to it and was popular to boot well and you know how hard that is to do in Hollywood right hundreds of years of you know hundred years at least of hundreds uh, it's not like they were making movies (laughs) in the 1850s (laughs) okay I said a hundred yeah at least a hundred years of making movies and to come up with something completely original that's pretty amazing and And get a budget behind it I well and that's the other thing going into the next movie is interstellar interstellar yes thank you for listening to part one of our Christopher Nolan podcast we will be back soon with part two And we will be discussing Interstellar and Dunkirk. Thanks, y'all. Follow us on social media. Link down below. Bye.